what do you call a bath full of druids? What? A hot tub. <laughs> wow. wow. Two random thoughts. I'm wife. And I'm husband. And we have a special guest today. Special guest, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is uh, Nathan Pruitt, and I was the organizer for the tournament in Lubbock, Texas back on April 20th. And that's exactly why we wanted to bring you on the show. You got right into it. So it was really exciting seeing an event outside of Gen Con. But before we dive into all the details for that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, where did you start picking up WoW? Are you still into WoW? How is there even a community still alive playing WoW? All those sort of things. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm, it's amazing to me how many people don't realize that we have such an active group here in Lubbock because we, we're very active in a lot of places like Reddit and social, other social medias, but... How I got started is I was, I've been playing the online game since 2004, December. And about, I don't know, about 2010 or so, is it's around the time that Cataclysm came out, I think, or, or right before it. I just didn't like where the game was heading online, and I quit. But I still had that urge to play old school WoW. The game was changing so much that... I just didn't enjoy it like I used to because of the changes. And at that time, there weren't really, there wasn't really a way to play the way you wanted to if you wanted the old school content. So I was like, hey, I think there's a, a trading card game for this that they advertised way back at Gen Con, or me, uh, BlizzCon years ago. And so I was wondering if the game was even still alive. And so I Googled it, saw that it still was, and went to a local game shop and kind of started to learn about different things, but I'd never played a card game before. Uh, I, I didn't play any Magic. I'd never played Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh! To be frank, I didn't even really knew that they existed. So I was trying to find a way to play World of Warcraft in a way that would be permanent. So like for the rest of my life, if they shut down, wow, Blizzard goes bankrupt or whatever, <laughs> as long as I had cards, I could play World of Warcraft and have things that I could share with even my kids when they were growing up or even my grandkids. Because I'm an old EverQuest player. I grew up playing EverQuest from 1999 to really 04 when I picked up WoW. And, but when I started delving into it, I, I bought Max Ramus, mm -hmm. and that was a mistake. Because here's I'm a new player playing like an extremely intense and thought out raid. <laughs> I'm sure it was a yeah. baptism by fire. It, it was. And so I had, I had no interest and really didn't even know how PvP would work. I came in strictly for the rating and the dungeons. And so when I learned that there was automated dungeons that I could play either multiple decks by myself against something or uh, try to find someone to raid with in the town I was living in, that was what interested me. I wanted the PvP aspect, PvE aspect of the game. And so I started playing about 2010, uh, and I didn't really learn much between 2010 and 2011, but in Early 2012, I actually found a small play group at a place called Mad Hatters in Lubbock, Texas. And when I say small, I went in 
because I called the owner and I was like, does anyone in your store play World of Warcraft? And he said, yeah, I come talk to Jim uh, on X day. I can't remember what day it was. And so I came in on that day and I asked the owner where, the, where they were playing it. And there was a huge like magic tournament going on. It was like some big event and there was over like a hundred people at the store. Right, right. <clears throat> um, and so he escorted me to this closet. <laughs> Literally, it was, a, it was a closet. And he was keeping them out of the way. And there's just four <laughs> guys playing Bolton Core. They were playing old school Bolton Core. And I had this Rinky Dink Starter Paladin deck, which I really didn't understand the full concept of how to play a card game. And they sat there and I kept playing with them week after week. And I slowly learned the game. Uh, and I don't think I even got, we were playing dungeons, all kinds of raids, and they were very helpful. That's one thing I learned compared to other card games when I really started delving into card games is the WoW community for the TCG are extremely helpful. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's I, something we found in our travels, and we brought it up before. I, that yeah, and I feel like it's a common theme. Everybody just comments on how... Welcoming. Kind and welcoming this community is compared to so many other card games. Yeah, and so they, they were giving me cards, and over the course of a year, I had over 10,000 cards that were freebies. Nice. You know, just just people giving us stuff, and uh, I don't know I don't know if, if you guys have played in tournaments in WoW TCG, but the group in Lubbock actually used to be fairly strong before that point with a guy named William Zoback. Uh, some That's guys, yeah. they might recognize that name because he played in a lot of major events. Uh, but he moved to Dallas and that group kind of died when he left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so whenever I started playing, it was just, a, we all became friends and the, the group kind of reignited and had the right people at the right time. And it, it blossomed. Uh, and then we eventually moved to a different store location because we were getting more tournament support. And that's where I met people like Joe Ramirez, who is who won the, a Tyrannus Realm Championship out of Colorado Springs, Colorado Springs, Colorado. And then he's I've seen him win several Realm Qualifier uh, Championships around Texas. He won was Houston, Austin, and one in Lubbock. So he's um, carrying the hometown on his back, bringing the, the banner in for the uh, yeah, events. yeah. He was, and he was the guy that sparked my interest in PvP, and he kind of helped the rest of the player base in that area learn how to PvP at that level. Um, And so that's really what helped us get to where we are probably today, and when the game died, we just kept doing what we were doing. Um, We kept raiding every Friday nights. Uh, We actually raid Friday nights. We raid Monday nights at my house. There was, I had to actually start limiting up the players that could come because my wife was getting so tired of the <laughs> amount of people that were coming in. We, at one point, we had 12 people walking into my house every Monday night. Oh, man. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I, you know, dad had poker night or something like that. It's a little bit yep. different story for when you tell your kids, oh, yeah, we didn't do poker night. We did weekly raids or bi-weekly raids or whatever. Yeah, and so that's we still do that now. And uh, I know Joe and a few other guys would really like to still bring in the PvP aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we that is something that's easier said than done because we have the players. I think to have, gosh, I we easily have twenty two to thirty players that I can call 
Man, if, that must be nice. If, <laughs> price, if the price support was good enough, I could probably hit third. Wow. Uh, with just what we did recently, uh, we were able to get 10. We actually had six more at the store that could have played, but they were playing in a Magic release tournament. Oh, so man. that actually hurt us. So we actually could have had 16. That's pretty uh, impressive. Yeah. So we're very fortunate down here in Lubbock to have that strong of a player base. And they're competitive. They're extremely competitive. Right. And a lot of us have competed at the highest level that you can compete at. And some of us actually did quite well. From playing a lot of different games, I mean, I started with Magic and I brought it up before. And then obviously our primary focus is WoW now. But Texas has always seemed to have those communities, those tight-knit communities, where they can produce the gaming populations, whereas other parts of the country and other parts of the world seem to, to struggle a little bit more if you're not Magic, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good to hear yeah. that there is some, that it's alive and well in Texas. Everybody listening. We're not moving to Texas. Oh, we're not? No. Are you sure? I'm, I'm, no. Yeah, not. but we have family down there now. I, I understand that. We're not moving. <laughs> one forward. of my one of my groomsmen just moved down there for work. Uh, oh, now more than a few months, but uh, he's he's down there, and uh, it gives me an excuse to go down there. You go ahead and visit. I will come <laughs> visit. I'm not no no offense, Nathan. I like Texas. The one time that I was there, I am an East Coast baby. I need subways. To certain bring it back to wow. <laughs> so you had had a much different start than. A, a lot of other people that we've interviewed, interviewed before, a much different start from us. How would you classify yourself as a WoW player now? Do you still consider yourself primarily PvE? Or now that you're broadening your horizons, do you feel the pull into PvP? I'm actually half and half. Uh, only because I've had success in, success in PvP. Um, <laughs> success definitely draws people in. I can, yeah. <laughs> Doing well I, makes I, you happy. I excel at PvP. Um, I probably can beat about seventy-five of the seventy-five percent of the people that I play against, even if they have better decks. I'm just I can pilot well, but once you, if you've competed enough, you run into those people who are just I, the, more competitive is not the right word. It's they're just smarter than you. They mm -hmm. pilot better. They they think they think at a different level than you do. Um, and I, I've run enough, I've run across enough people to know that I am probably an above average PvPer. But if you stuck me at a national championship, a world championship, where I'm playing people like Brad Watson, uh, you know, Randy Williams, Rob Victory, Tim Riviera, those guys, <laughs> or Hanzo, they're going to run over me. I, I can't compete. I can't compete with people at that level. Oh, we can uh, empathize with that. <laughs> we've we've we run into those troubles as well, funnily with, enough. With those exact names. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I beat so Hans I, once. I, it was like the greatest moment of my life. It was at two pack, but I still beat Hans <laughs> once. So <laughs> much skill I there. I will ride that for the rest of my life. Probably uh, the biggest win I had in a tournament. I actually played in a realm qualifier against I got paired up. There was there's a lot of big names. I can't remember all of them, but I know that Ed Rickman was in it, which was one of Tim Riviera's teammates. Yeah. Had Rob Victory and I had Randy Williams all in the same tournament. And it was a realm qualifier at a Darkman Fair in Dallas. You know, they have all these different events going on. Right. And 
I actually, out of the three, I took two of, I took one of them out. I actually was able to beat Randy Williams, who was a Dark Moon Fair champion and at Jack Jacksonville. Yep. Uh, I lost to Rob Victory in a mirror match. We were oh, playing the exact same deck, and he had one card that was different that, that gave him the edge. And then Ed Rick was a, it was actually a contemporary format. And Ed Rickman came in with this crazy bill that was using Shield of Righteousness, and he was like one-shotting me on turn, turn five Oof. Uh, with a shield attack on a paladin. Anyway, to go back to the community thing, I mean, I actually contacted Ed Rickman after that and said, hey, can I have that build? Because that was amazing. I've never seen that happen before. And he shared it with me, the entire deck list. It's awesome. awesome. See that? But like, in terms, go ahead. Um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, on the other 50% on the PVE side of it, I, I still enjoy that because I do that every week. Um, and it's, I find more enjoyment deck building for PVE than I do for PVP. Uh, because PVP deck building for me, it, it's like a long gauntlet of just trial and error. And it can get kind of draining, whereas in PVE, you build something fun that you want to play. And you can play it in a non-competitive environment, which can make it a lot more fun. Oh yeah, so that's why I kind of say I'm half and half. And that's completely fair. So I feel like if if we had more people that we could play against than just each other, we would probably be. Yeah, it's a little that. tough for us just from you know real life scheduling. And since I moved out here for work, it, you know most of my family and friends are back in Jersey, so it's tough to get together when it's you know an hour and a half, two hour drive kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> so, so while we got you, what what's your favorite raid? Do you have a favorite one? We don't I get do. to talk about PVE a lot, so I want to hear what people's thoughts are. So what what do you got for us? Well, okay, I I have two that are kind of tied. It almost depends on who's playing with me that night. Okay, uh, Caverns of Time is amazing. The fact that it's I know a lot of people don't necessarily like the automateds, but this automated is, to me is almost perfect. Uh, and the reason being is whenever you're playing in a, in a man raid, it can drag. When you, once you hit turn four, turn five, and beyond, it can take up to ten minutes if you've got five or six players oh, yeah. to get Easily. back to your turn. Well, when you're playing an automated, the automated's turn goes so fast because you just flip one to two cards, it, their turn's over. You resolve and you move on. Mm-hmm. And so it's a speed difference, and it can really you can you can play two caverns of time when it might take you to do one Naxxramas or one Molten Core or one Black Temple. Oh, for sure. Uh, so, so the speed factor there is really nice, and the fact that you see a, a, a really good variance of different boss types that can do different abilities when they come in, it can it really bust up the mold. Now, obviously, automateds have its weaknesses because they don't they can't really respond to or react to certain conditions coming on the board, like a Legacy of the Horde just obliterates raids, yeah. especially <laughs> in automated because it can't respond to it. Right. Uh, but however, for a man raid, it's Nax Ramus all the way, man. It's such, such an awesome raid. Oh, it, it definitely <laughs> is. It it kind of there are so many unique things about Nax Ramus mm-hmm. that set it apart, especially for us, too. Yeah, it's... And I like how it's hard, but not, like, despair levels. I mean, it <laughs> yes. has its despair it's, level. It's not attrition. Yes. It's not a rate of attrition. There's yeah. a lot of raids that are a rate of attrition, and Naxxramas is not one of them. Black Temple is probably the absolute worst for attrition. That's it can really stall out a game. Yeah. 
And so I definitely, I, I think next for Moss would probably be my favorite. So here's the follow-up question. Do you prefer playing it and actually raiding, or do you prefer being the boss, given the opportunity? I'd rather raid against the boss. Okay. I've always, because I, I liked raiding in the online game, and so when I'm playing, when I, when I deck build for raiding, for example, I like to build decks that will play like they will in the actual online game. So I'm typically playing decks that are solo-based. I don't like playing allies in raids because there's so much ally hate in raiding. Mm-hmm. You play something, you're not going to get the full value of the card because it's going to die in one or two turns. It just happens that way typically. Yeah, right. Unless you've got a partner that's playing a really good control deck. Uh, but I, So I like to play like ongoing abilities. I like to play abilities that when they come in and resolve or equipment that can support them and buff them up, because it actually plays like and can feel like what it would in the actual game. Makes sense. Yeah, whereas husband likes to be the bad guy as much as humanly possible. <laughs> well, sometimes it's fun to be the bad guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> it's funny in our group, it, maybe it's telling, I don't know, you tell me why, but all of my friends all kind of fight over being the raid boss just because we like ruining each other's fun. So yep, maybe maybe that says something that, about us. I don't know. Sums up that group perfectly. In fact, <laughs> that's not people. how my group is. My group, <laughs> nobody wants to be the raid boss. Everybody wants to raid, uh, and so okay. it's sometimes like we'll, we'll ask for volunteers, and if no one volunteers, we'll either decide randomly or someone finally just bucks up. So I'll do it, you know, kind of thing. Right. And no one wants to be the guy that ruins the day. Yeah, no, they all want to be the guy that ruins the day and then try harder to, <laughs> yeah, and we, the next person's like, well, I'm going to try harder to ruin the day. Yeah, <laughs> the, um, it's a downward spiral of who can outdo each other in horrible, horrible ways. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. So, um, have you tried any custom raids or anything like that? Let's see. I have not, yes, my answer to that would be yes, I've done two, but I don't think it's any that you guys would have played. Um okay. We were fortunate enough that uh, Joe Ramirez actually has and still is designing custom raids. Uh, he plays the online game heavily okay. and does a lot of theory craft with it. And so he designed an Old War raid. Awesome. And it is almost identical to how the real raid plays. Uh, I've always felt like Nex Ramis did a really good job of ref- Nex Ramis and Bolt Corp specifically did a really good job of replicating what those raids would play like in the actual game, mm-hmm. and he, that was a big focus of his. And so, but he also focused on trying to make it fun. And he was able to to design it in a way that it could be played as manned to be make the difficulty level higher, so like heroic or mythic. And then, but he also designed it to be able to be automated to reduce the difficulty, or if you didn't have enough players, you could play it as manned or automated. That it was really fantastic. unique. Yeah, he, he did a really good job on it. The problem is, is like, when he designed it, the, it, the program that he used, the files are so large that I'm having difficulty sharing it online with people, because I think people would really enjoy that raid. They just, I haven't found a way to condense it and compress it well enough to actually be able to share it with people online because the file types are so large. Yeah, that, that can be a difficulty. Any enterprising listeners, maybe chime in in the, uh, the threads or on the Facebook group. Maybe we can pitch in community effort, try and get that one out there because that sounds like a super exciting idea. And I know prior to the game's untimely death, there were a lot of efforts, probably including Joe's, on 
a lot of these projects. There was, you know, people had set up an Alterac Valley raid. Mm-hmm. Somebody, I mean, there was an official Strand of the Ancients thing, but it didn't really make a work. Better one. Yeah, they, there were. It's a side of the game that, and maybe tell us how you feel about this, Nathan. Do you feel that it was? neglected or pushed aside in favor of the more PvP elements overall? Are you talking about the PvP games that Cryptozoic and Upper Deck made? Well, with respect, because they obviously produced the Caverns of Time raids and produced uh, all the other ones. That, But do you feel that the emphasis was always on the PvP side as compared to the PvE side? Uh, I think that they actually did a better job than most publishers in this realm when it came to PvE. I, I do think that uh, they did a decent job, a decent enough job. Because okay, so when you really look at the current state of the game and the, the new players that are coming in on tabletop simulator and running with digital cards, the majority of your interest is actually coming from raid content that these people designed way back when. So. I do think they did a good job. Do I think they could have done it better? Yeah, in some in some raids. Yeah, Mactheridon is not very good. Ice Crown is terrible. Yes. It's, it's probably the weakest one of them all. Uh, and Anixia's Lair, you almost have to customize it to make it worth playing. So there are some exceptions, but overall, I think that they were, they did a very good job because you look at Magic or you look at some of these other games that try to make PvE content or co-op content, and they're terrible. Yes. They're, they're not very good. So across a publishing aspect, they did great. I do think it could be better, but it's just going to take time for this kind of style of game to develop across the board. Yeah, it, I don't want to say it was a a brand new development, but it kind of was at the time. I mean, obviously, board games and board games and incorporated cards or things have existed for decades prior to this, but having played Magic from an early onset until I saw, when I first saw WoW Raising, I'm like, I can't believe this didn't exist prior to this. It seems like such, retrospectively, such an obvious, so obvious idea. And then no one took it. But, yeah, I, so hopefully someone can come up with an idea on how to get those files down and shareable because I'm always up for new raid content. But the reason we brought you on, so excited, (laughs) you had a tournament, you organized a tournament, which props to you, that means you're much more organized than I could ever pretend to be. Yeah, so I guess first thing, not to cut you off, wife, but but I always do anyway. Um, (laughs) What possessed you guys to run it, and what possessed you to run it as core as opposed to classic or contemporary? I guess let's start there. All right. Well, there's okay. Let me find a starting point here. So <laughs> I used to work for a company called Jasco Games. Um, I left that company I think about two years ago at this, almost two years ago, and I was the vice president of, uh, and director of marketing and sales as well. So I had two titles, and I hired a, a UFS world champion. Uh, I say I. We hired uh, Shane Duckworth, who. Uh, at some point, you might want to interview uh, because he is an incredible card game player. He's world class, and he loves this game. Anyway, he came in, and he kind of – I taught him how to play WoW TCG whenever we would go to Gen Con or Origins. 
uh, Gamma. I mean, we went, we, we traveled the country to all these different conventions promoting our products. And so he would always be with us and we'd always play with the players that were there. Um, I actually, I think I ran into uh, Woodrow, one of the guys you're hiring on to do the articles. Uh, I remember seeing a Kentucky state champion play mat on, at Gen Con, I think in 2014, oh, but he no. was busy playing with somebody else. I think I've actually run into him and spoken to him briefly. The, but the so, play mat that I want more than my house right now. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a unique play mat. It's definitely unique. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so we travel around and I taught him how to play and he ended up falling in love with it. And he was actually coming into Lubbock uh, to judge because when we hired him on, he couldn't compete anymore. Uh, we, so he was coming to Lubbock to do a UFS Pro Tour circuit so he could be the head judge and tournament run, or he'd run the tournament software. And so we were going to have the tournament software brought to us by Shane. We were also going to have the live stream camera as well. We actually recorded five or six games at this tournament, but it's taken a while to get it all edited and completed. So there's actually more content coming from that. Okay. And one of those games was Joe Ramirez and Shane Duckworth going head to head, and they went three straight games. Nice. Like it was it was crazy. Um, anyway, so with Shane coming in, I, he had never played in a PvP tournament when it was live because he got into the game in 2016. Uh, but he was a world class card player, and he thought he wanted to see how he could do in a different card game. And so I kind of was telling him cards he might see. And so I said, if he ever, when he was at Jasper, I told him, if you ever come to Lubbock, I will schedule you one. And this was like a year ago. He said, hey, I'm coming in. So I gathered my guys. We got on our Facebook page and we just kind of started getting interest and promoting it a month in advance. And uh, tried to get Luke Butler to come too, who you've also interviewed, but he yeah. wasn't able to make it because uh, he's never actually played in a big one either. And so it was really the there's really just a tournament set up for Shane. And when Shane came in, like I said, we already had the tournament software farming with UFS, we had the cameras, and ten guys came and we started playing. It really wasn't that much to organize, just we were already actively playing twice a week. Right. It's just a matter of just saying, Hey, we're gonna be playing this night, come if you wanna come. And Shane came in and I, I don't wanna say he was cocky. But he had the confidence of a world-class card player. Right. And we put him through the ringer. <laughs> we, and he won the tournament, but he did not win it easy. He, every single game he played took all three matches, except uh -huh. one. Uh, and the one that he didn't do, it took, over, for both games, I think it almost took uh, an hour and a half. Oh, just wow. a 2-0 guy, because it was just a struggle. Wow. Uh, and we have a we had a very strong presence of players there uh, of just the decks that we're bringing now in terms of why we played core. We don't like PVP as a, well, I shouldn't say that, that this is, let me give you my opinion. And I, I think that a good majority of players in my playgroup might agree with me. The guys that have been playing WoW for a long time, you know, close to the beginning, Typically, they enjoy the upper deck style better than the cryptozoic style because they are very, they're two different beasts. Yes, uh, yes they are. <laughs> but we, a lot of our players started playing after cryptozoic had already taken over. 
And so we got two sets of people. We got guys that had played since the beginning, but we've also got a large group of guys that came in afterwards. Now, from a competitive standpoint, I don't like competing against classic-based decks, mainly because when you're actually trying to win and do well at a tournament, and when you're playing core or even contemporary, and you see someone put down a certain hero, you have a general idea of what that deck's going to do in a core or contemporary format. Yeah. When you play in a classic tournament and someone plays down a hero, it doesn't. You you almost have no idea what that deck's going to do unless you've seen it prior to playing it. That's to, so that's a, totally fair. You're you're absolutely yeah. right there. And it is the wild west. So, yeah. So yeah, it, it's the wild west. You don't know what's going to happen, and so from a competitive standpoint, it's too random to be competitive. It's it's almost a, it's almost like a dice roll. And you've seen I've seen some of this in actual the tabletop simulator. We had like a ladder system going, and there were so many off the wall stuff. I saw a loot card Grand Crusader build. Wait, a what? And I, <laughs> Say I've that again. Never, it was a loot card. Grand Crusader build. That's I'd wild. never seen it before. And so he's huh. playing a paladin, and I'm on him, and my first thought from, as a core player is like, okay, that, there might be a Grand Crusader in there. There might be a Blinding Word in there. Because those are the two most threatening cards in the core format at the end. And so I'm thinking like a core player, but then he starts playing these loot cards. And these loot cards are building off each other, so there was an added plus effect to these loot cards that were coming out, and I'm thinking, okay, well, it's not a Grand Crusader. Well, then, like, turn five, he plays a Grand Crusader, and I'm like, holy cow! <laughs> you know, what's coming at me here? Um, surprisingly, I actually ended up winning that match because I was playing a control uh, Shaman using Wavestorm Totem. And so I was able to have him pick stuff up, but when you're playing a classic like that, and, and you've got, let's say, some of the best players in the world, that are really trying to compete, it's going to be so random. It's not a skill-based game anymore. It's a guessing game. Whereas in a core format, when someone plays a certain hero, you know the archetype that that, that particular hero is going to perform well in. If they go on the off-beaten path, yes, there's a surprise effect to it, but it's unproven. And so you're likely still going to beat it. Whereas... So anyway, that, that's, that's, that's my point with why we went core, is okay. because the type of players that we had there wanted to, I don't want to say, they wanted to be able to compete fairly, and you can't really compete fairly in a classic format. I think that that's a reasonable take on it. Yeah. I mean, we do happen to prefer classic for kind of the same reason that people in your group probably said that, you know, we grew up, for lack of a better way to put it, in the upper deck area, era, rather. Yeah. And as a result, we're at emotionally attached to a number of the cards. Yeah. So I, that's I, why we're I still... openly admit some of my orcs are my orcs, and Cryptozoic can't have them. <laughs> well, and, and in PvE, we love Classic. We oh, love I can definitely see PvE. that. And it's... So, I think that's an interesting take, and one that, for lack of a better way to put it, it's, I think, the pervading opinion that a lot of people were not happy, not just with Cryptozoic, but Core in general, for a lot, you know, a variety of reasons. So it's good to hear the other side. Obviously, there are people out there who did enjoy it and still do. So it, it's good to hear the other side of the argument sort of thing from somebody who actually is not playing devil's advocate. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I'm really I, there's some cards I like love in upper deck, and there's some cards I like Cryptozoic. Um, right. I, I never fully understood the hate towards Cryptozoic, but I also didn't play during the upper deck days, so I don't really have a fair comparison from my personal opinion on it. Right. Just I do have a I do have an opinion on the PvP aspect of it from a competitive standpoint. Uh, did you ever go to the Dark Moon Fair events or the World Invitationals? Yes. We went to both. Yeah. And, uh, as many so, as we were able yeah. to, anyway. <laughs> How many people did you see actually competing in the classic tournaments, the classic tournament events at those places? Well, to be fair, they didn't exist for the majority of them because yeah. classic was not technically a thing for a long time. But yeah, we played in at Worlds, we played in the classic events, so there was what, maybe 12 people? No, there was 18. Oh, 18. Okay. Okay, don't, don't, <laughs> no, because there was 18 and that was also at a point when not everybody had checked into their hotels yet. Because the classic event was first. I, the only part I really remember so, about the event was, ironically enough, losing to Hans Ho since you brought him up earlier. <laughs> <laughs> he, and he smacked me around, and that's kind of how it goes. And but. that's why Hans became my best friend that day. Yes. Because um, <laughs> he destroyed your dreams, and that was fun for me. But I'm assuming, where were you going with that, Nathan? Well, I, I went to Dark Moon Fair Dallas, uh-huh. and that was a, a sealed event, I believe. Yeah, okay. it was a sealed event. But uh, there was. The tournament, excuse me, the event, I think, drew close to 350 to 400 people. Now, the main event, I think, had 122 in it. Okay. So not everyone could be in the main event. But right. you were looking at, they had two classic tournaments throughout the course of those three days. And the highest they ever got to was 10. Yeah. That was the most they ever played in it. But you had, like, these other side events that you had realm qualifiers. You had even starter deck tournaments. Mm. And the starter deck tournaments had 45 plus. Right. So if you compare that to classic, and then these are there. There were people there that were playing from all different types. You know, from whenever they started at the beginning or the new people. Classic was not a popular format to play when the game was live. Not just because it wasn't supported. They actually supported it at a huge event, and it it had no interest at all. So. I think classic is more of the thing is the new players that have come in since the game has died. It's a more of an issue of availability of cards. Oh, that's for sure. And it we've seen it in, well, it's been brought up occasionally on the subreddit, but it definitely shows up in the Discord fairly frequently and even in the Facebook group every once in a blue moon that there's a new player or newer player or even an existing player that's trying to fill out their collection. And at this point, you're really... When everybody dumped their collections in 2013 to, say, 2015, now we're hitting the scarcity era where it really is difficult to find these things now. I've got a healing deck for a raid that I'm trying to finish, and I still can't find Dorn the Tranquil, a hero. I can't find, I need one more Tranquility, and I need two more Life Blooms. It's a healing deck, and I can't find those cards anywhere. So I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's something, I mean, for us, a lot of it, I I keep trying to tell wife that, yeah, we'll just try and buy up collections from people and we'll, we'll fill out what we do. If you set our basement on fire, it would burn for days. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of bad. Our basement would burn for a month and a half with the amount of cardboard that is in that basement. But we're So I'm trying to convince wife maybe if I convert some of my magic stuff, we can pick up more WoW stuff. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> for the original point, yeah, the, the scarcity of cards and... You had brought it up before, the rise of Tabletop Simulator has certainly helped a lot of newer players, because otherwise, 
they would kind of be stuck. It's it's super difficult at this point to pick up a dead game. Yeah. <laughs> not that it would be any easier at any other point to pick up a dead game, but yeah. you're just not going to care. And so, and another thing too is the people who are still playing this game. I believe there's the older players that played in the upper deck game are the ones that stuck around even till this point. The core guys that came in with uh, Cryptozoic, most of those most of those guys moved on. Right. They they weren't in it long enough to get hooked. They moved on, and so I think you've seen a shift to where I think core and contempt were and really draft. Draft was huge. People right. loved yeah, draft. Those formats were the most popular, probably from 10 to 13. But now that's kind of flipped because of the scarcity of the cards. The older players are still playing, and they still prefer the upper deck way. And so you've seen a flip-flop uh, of, of what – so in our group, you've kind of got a half and half. I've got my core guys, and I've got the classic guys, uh, and it's just a nice blend. And There's not really any argument on the, on the thing, but I don't – if we were to ever have a classic tournament, we would have to have a yield of players coming in from outside to really influence the switch of format. Because uh, most of our guys are so competitive, they want to be able to, you know, when you play a certain hero, kind of an idea what to expect so they can compete better. Right. And you can't do that in classic. But, if, you know, if there's 20 people who want to come down to Lubbock and play in a tournament and they want a classic, we'll do it. I would. We would definitely do it if it was a hop, skip, and a jump as opposed to a substantially <laughs> long plane ride. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if you've listened to any of our interviews before, but we have what used to be ten rapid-fire uh, questions. All nonsense, um, of course. All nonsense. But now husband has made me shorten it down to, to four, which hurts my soul, but you know. <laughs> Um, so just real quick, I'm going to ask you these questions and you're going to give me your first response. Are you prepared? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Alliance or Horde? Horde. Nice. Constructed or limited? Constructed. Combo, control, or aggro? Oh, I have them all. Ah. <laughs> we got the hard one. I typically favor a mixture of control and mid-range. Ooh, all right. All right. We, we keep forgetting to add mid-range yeah, as an option. but <laughs> All right, and now the final most important question of them all. Darkwing Duck or Batman? Batman. <sighs> oh, no. We're, we're trying to get more converts. <laughs> Wait, I just thought I can only ask him this question. And what's that one? Favorite historical period. Oh, man, that, why'd you do that? Okay, That's so like, my favorite. What kind of question is that? That's that, so that is weird. Did, All right, so, okay, I work okay. in history. All right, let, let the man talk. I like history of war. So, I, I mean, World War II stands out to me. I'm not a big fan of World War One. World War II, Civil War, they, those both stand out to me. But the one that I'm probably the most uh, proficient at is the Mongolian years of, the, of their empire. Yes! Uh, so the Mongolian period was fairly that, – that, that's a very interesting error. Because they're always uh, the exception. I don't know, what? I don't know if you um, have ever watched any of John Green's videos, but eternally the Mongolians are the exception to every rule of the rest of the world at the time period. 
they're just always the exception. So I totally agree with that. Yes. Well, they okay. So in card, when you look at like card competitive card terms, they were the spikes. You know, they were. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's one of those things. That statement is one of those things where it's like, man, yeah, (laughs) like yes, (laughs) exactly. Sorry, you just made my day. That's spectacular. (laughs) So, uh, to bring it back to the event that you had hosted. So do you picture running more of these? You had mentioned earlier that you're running a consistent raid group and the guys in that area get together to play pretty frequently. Do you picture running actual tournaments on the regular now? Some of the guys really want it. I know that Joe Joe's not much of a raider, um, at least not, not in our group. He uh, likes to design raids, but in terms of when it's actually raiding, he would prefer to PvP. I know that he wants it really bad, uh, and he's got his own little team that used to travel with him. They're all really talented players. <clears throat> so there's always a possibility. What, what we ran into in terms of keep to keep PvP going is it would detract a lot of players who really just wanted to raid. Um, so, uh, probably over half of our major player base is raiders. And they, they're so intimidated by the PvP aspect that they sometimes want to do it. Uh, oftentimes they'll just PvP if we give them a deck that they know is strong and they, they can actually have a fighting chance. Right. Uh, so, but... I totally understand that. It took me... Well, it took Husband a very long time to convince me to play PvP on... Yeah, it's not an uncommon sentiment. Yeah. It, and that's not just a WoW thing. It's a, a general gaming thing, and really life thing it, it can be intimidating especially if you have to sit across and look that person in the face as maybe they pummel you yeah. <laughs> sort of thing maybe oh so like with with shane if like every time shane probably comes into town we're probably going to host a tournament so shane can get some pvp in uh because he doesn't really have a group in las vegas where he's at um if there's any player that's coming into lubbock uh that wants the pvp experience where we will always honor a a guest that comes in. It's there's something about a guest coming in that just ignites the group. They want to prove themselves. They want to sh- they want to have a good time and meet and meet somebody new that shares the same interests as they do. Those will typically always spark a major tournament with us. So it's like uh, when I was yeah. playing football back in high school. We must protect this house. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's very much like that. And before that, UFS players had never beaten any of our WoW guys in a tournament. They never actually won a tournament. They'd gotten close, but they had never actually taken the house. Uh, Shane was the first UFS player to actually come in and uh, win it all. He went 9-5 and five overall, which is not a good record, <laughs> and most times will not win a tournament. Right. But he fought, he fought through it and did it uh, the hard way. Uh, so if, if, we, if you guys wanted to come down to Lubbock for any reason, then we would probably host a tournament for you and have a similar turnout, if not more, if there's a lot of magic event going on um but in terms of like a weekly pvp tournament i don't think there's enough interest to have a steady stream of 10 plus players a week uh we would likely have four to six if we were lucky uh which is not as not as stellar you can't really cut the top four basically you'd run swiss and that would be it yeah Um, 
So really you have to have 10 or more, in my opinion, to have a decent feel of a tournament. Uh, so we would just need more players or people coming in and what we would organize a tournament for anyone wanting to travel in to, to play and have that experience. Awesome. So were there any decks that were surprising to you? That yeah, we saw up? some of the reports that are on both the subreddit and the Facebook mm-hmm. group. So there are a few people that are putting their ideas out there, which is really cool to see. Was there anything, or maybe not necessarily just a deck, anything that stood out to you specifically about the event? Well, I I was very stunned at how even the talent level was across the board. There were some guys that went one and two that were better than one and two, but the talent level was so hot. I was so stellar that it it was tough. It was tough to get each win. Um, the the build. I don't know if you're looking at the deck list, but there was a deck list I think that finished eighth. That is an amazing deck list. Um, he should have probably went two and one. Uh, he went one and two. But that, that build right there in a core format, in my opinion, unless you're running a warrior that shuts off healing, should win almost every single match. So for our listeners uh, out there that may not be aware, and I apologize for cutting you off, Nathan, where could they go to take a look at that? Well, it's on Reddit. I've also posted the link to the Reddit on the Retro Wow face page and also awesome. on the Tabletop Simulator page. Awesome. Uh, so you, you'll find it on Reddit there. Uh, that was an amazing build. It was, it's actually it's one of those decks that was designed by Joe Ramirez right as the game was dying. So oh. it's actually quite old. Uh, I have never beaten it with any <laughs> of my decks. Even my classic decks, I could not beat it. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it's, it's, if you play it right... And you know the ch- uh, how to play on the chain well. It's almost unbeatable in core. You have to almost play a certain class to beat it. Uh, the other decks that were surprising, the sh- the deck that Shane played did not intimidate me until I had to play it. <laughs> uh, and what was interesting with it is he is a world class card player playing in his first tournament in WoW. Using this deck that was popular in, in terms of the meta deck, popular in China, that was never really played in, in any other country other than the China area, makes a few changes. And if you're playing best of three, it's tough to beat because he's going to know what to call what card because he's got Uthok in there, right. he's got Legacy of the Trail. He's he's going to figure out what cards to call by game two and game three. So the longer you play him, the better he gets at beating you. Yeah. Uh, if we had played one round like the original core format rules, if we had just done one round each, uh, or excuse me, best of one, he would have never made top four. It was. Because he almost had to lose that first game to figure out what to call to be able to control. Uh, so in the right hands of someone who's played in a lot of tournaments, that card, that deck is amazing. Mm-hmm. And also the deck Joe Ramirez played, which finished third, uh, <clears throat> that was out of left field. That I didn't, he built that completely unique. Uh, he wanted to make sure he surprised us and it was something similar to the old Snowball Cop, if you remember yeah. that build. Um, I and was he was very able to make it better. List. Yeah, I was very excited by that list when I saw it as somebody who's put a lot of effort and probably more effort than I should have done 
into making Nadeev work. I was very oh, excited yeah. by he that. Spent, he spent yeah. a good three months last year being like, I have a way of making Nadeev work. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Like, <laughs> no, I totally have a way of making Nadeev work. I was like, okay, let's let's try to make Nadeev work. And he he tried. You tried so hard. I got an A for effort. Yeah. Gold star and scratch and sniff sticker. Yeah. <laughs> but that was about it. Joe went undefeated in Swiss with that deck. And if he hadn't had to play Shane the first round, the only way that deck lost was against the Warlock because it was the Bane matchup. Right. And he still took one game from Shane with it. Wow. Uh, so it, that's an amazing deck build. And then you could even look at the second place finisher with the Night Elf build. Now, I'm going to get a kind of kind of deep competitive talk here, uh, but you might actually remember the Night Elf build pre Reign of Fire. Uh, I think uh, it was played in a Human Hunter deck. There were some some of the Night Elves were used in the Timber Every Year National Champion deck. Yeah. Uh, but when Ashenvale hit in Reign, it almost went all Night Elf instead of like a mixture of different races. It went all Night Elf with Ashenvale in our local group. And we used to keep track of the wins and losses of each deck build. And the Night Elf builds that we existed were roughly averaging 60 to 65% wins uh, in tournament play before Ashenvale came out. That's pretty wild. When Ashenvale came out, now the game died that month that right. it released. But we kept playing PvP tournaments clear until December. It didn't really the PvP didn't really start dying down until about summer of fourteen for us. Okay. We PvP'd every week. And so we kept those stats. Well, what eventually killed PvP in our playgroup is no one could beat the Night Elves. They were getting a ninety percent win percentage. I mean this and list it, looks mean. Like it, it's it looks nasty. nasty, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an aggro deck. It can actually if it gets the right cards, it can kill you turn three. If it gets the right stuff, uh, it's consistently killing you turn four. Uh, and so that, to me, that build is what I call S tier. It is, I think there would have been cards from that that would have been banned uh, had it actually seen Cryptozoic official tournament play. Right. Uh, but since it came out in rain, a lot of those cards, I think, were really busted. I mean, you could take a look at Blinding Word as the glaring culprit here. Uh-huh. It's probably the worst card that was released in that. I think even Hans Hold on there were the old question of Gluttony podcast. Yeah. That's old school. <laughs> yeah, that is. Uh, I do have my autograph question of Gluttony in a deck somewhere. I don't remember which deck it's in, but I do have one. Well, I remember Hans Hold talking about that on the interview with him and about how busted that card was. I think Ashenville would have been in the mix, and if it wasn't Ashenville, it would have been something more like Fandral. Uh, because Fandral was a big issue card even when he was legal or when he was live right. uh, because he had such a high health and he gave too many powers. He gave four or five <laughs> powers. I think he basically it was all the keywords. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. You pair him with Cortalos or Chandra's and it's it's GG, especially with Wrath of the Ages. Yeah. So, and you play an armor deck, okay, here's piercing shots. You know, you, I'm getting around your armor now. Oh, you're going to play this card? I'm just going to nice it, and you can't play it anymore. So it's just, it was mean. It was mean. I was actually surprised Shane was able to beat it. Because the guy that played that deck had been playing that Night Elf build since 2013. <laughs> so he has a few games under his belt with it. Oh, yeah. He's got a lot. He's got a lot of experience with that deck. And Shane 
was able to beat him. Now, in Swiss, Mitchell with that night off deck actually beat Shane. It was Shane's only loss in Swiss. Uh, but when when they got to the finals, that's what made it so awesome, is Shane at that point knew what to expect, uh-huh. and he still lost game one to it. <laughs> that's how good those night elves were. That just makes uh-huh. for a better storyline. Oh, and then, so game two, I'm expecting, I'm expecting Shane to lose game two because it seems like Mitchell has figured out how to beat him. And, uh, but Shane had a, he had a bad first draw. It's actually, we had one of the games recorded. Uh, I actually saw Shane's hand and I was like, oh, he's probably going to lose. He didn't get the right cards. And he mulliganed and he still didn't get the right cards. And so I'm thinking he's going to get trucked by these night elves. And he didn't. He found a way to survive. There was one point he actually, uh, Legacy of Betrayal, Thadris, and took Thadris <laughs> from him. And so all these Night Elves are having to run into Thadris and auto die. Oh my and god. So it was crazy. It was, such, it was such a great match. It was it was one of the best PvP tournaments, competitive wise, I've ever seen. Now the footage and I've of, been, I've some good ones. The footage of that is not up yet, you said. Right. It's not up. Where Luke Butt actually has it. He's okay. the one editing. Where should people look? I mean, we're going to get to have a shout out section at the end if there's anything you want to plug. But real quick, is there any where do people go to find this stuff? Is it going to end up on the Reddit or is there a specific YouTube channel or what? I think it's going to go up on Luke's YouTube channel and the links will probably be posted in the Reddit when he gets done. Awesome. So listeners out there, keep your eyes and ears peeled for that because this sounds ridiculous. I want to see this match. Well, I want to see all of them, but this one sounds really wild. It was it was a really good matchup. Like it was evenly it was evenly matched. It really was awesome. Uh, so you you had this this S tier aggro deck versus this S tier control deck, and they go head to head hardcore. So you and uh, I don't want to keep you all night because we could definitely talk about WoW all night. <laughs> but, <laughs> and we do. So so um. I guess looking for the future of the game, uh, what do you think about the monk set or our possible new sets coming up? Um, I think my opinion on this is going to vary a little different than most, and I think what they're doing is good for the game. I personally am not a big fan, but that's a personal opinion, and I'm not going to degrade it across the board. I know that my guys aren't really that into it. Uh, we've looked into it, and we found some issues with lure being an issue. There's there's things that exist in those sets that don't exist, or the cap- it's it's not it shouldn't exist in the card game because it doesn't exist in the real game. Uh, I know that a few guys have filed complaints about that, uh, it, but if it gets new people playing, I don't really care because this when you look at successful continuing communities. I look at Star Trek CCG, and I look at Star Star Wars CCG is finally starting to waver, I think, but Star Trek is probably the oldest that's still global. There is a large community that still plays the continued community on Star Trek. Uh, but when you look at their setup, they are much broader. They actually more, they operate more as like a publisher. They have a, a tournament organizer. They have card designers. They have a chairman. They have even have PR people that um, there's different specific jobs for each individual. And when you look at the retro setup and what they're doing, it looks like there's just three guys running it. Yeah. And they're all doing all the jobs. And I don't think they're going to really get a good grasp uh, until they start getting so busy that they have to start delegating. And 
I've never spoken to William, except I think I spoke to him via email a long time ago because I wanted to play in his Gen Con tournament without but I was working at the Jasco booth okay. and I was able to go to the time period that he had scheduled. And he tried to work around it, but we just couldn't get it changed, and so I missed it. But uh, I think their heart is is in the right place. And one of the things that people don't understand that may not like it is that the amount of effort that goes into designing these cards is extreme. Oh, it's a course. personal sacrifice. It is an actual personal sacrifice. And I understand that even coming from a publishing background where I actually published a CCG for two and a half years. It's, it's hard. Um, so I'm my reason for not really liking it is more of a, a purist standpoint. Mm-hmm. I've played the game long enough. I have enough cards in my own collection that I don't need to play that kind of stuff. It, so it doesn't interest me from that standpoint. Um, That's valid. So I, I, I struggle with some of the rule changes that they're talking about because from the purist standpoint, I don't really want rule changes. I want the game to be preserved for what it is. And if they're wanting to make something different, it needs to be its own separate format. Mm-hmm. Uh, it needs to exist, but it's separate formats where, you know, when he runs his Gym Con tournament, it is their format. They label it as X whatever format. Right. Uh, but if they, if they want to go bigger and they want to make it more like a global game to where they're having multiple events, you know, like once a month, there's some major event in some major town where they're actually traveling. See, the S... The Star Trek guys, I think, actually get paid for donations. Uh, wow. They actually make enough money to travel and host events. If it gets to that point, I think I'll probably take a more serious look at it because they're having some success right. um, and they're getting some things done right. But it's so early right now, and I think it's more of an, in its infant stages that it's easy to be critical. Yeah. Uh, but but like I know our guys at one point really tried hard to design cards and make our own monks. In fact, we had, Joe Ramirez actually designed a monk that is actually very popular in our group. Um, but it, it hasn't been really well recepted outside of our group. So it's really just kind of our local thing here. But um, seeing Joe go through those those time periods where he was working on it so hard and he was, people were being so critical, even locally, being critical of his designs when he was doing it, I mean... It, he, he it hurt his feelings. You know, there's yeah. there's times that you you put so much effort. So like when whenever Mitchell and Andrew, not Mitchell, uh, William and Andrew and whoever else they got working on this is doing this, they're getting a lot of criticism because it's different. Uh, and I think they know that, but it's also a, a huge personal sacrifice to be able to do that and take time. And so I think what their true test is going to be is do they have the endurance to make it last years in advance not just in the short term, because I think it's easy to design stuff and have stuff ready for people to play in the short term, but to make it good and make it a staple to where people accept it, it has to last a certain period of time uh, to where people have time to adjust and get used to it and then actually start having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and sometimes that, that can take a lot of that out of you. Yeah, there's something to be said for uh, almost wearing people down, and eventually they just kind of accept yeah. that, no, you're not going to go away. And I can, I definitely agree with you there. There are a lot of it. There are a lot of things that could be changed or done differently. And I agree that modularity with the new stuff would be very good. So if people want the time capsule aspect of 
well, I want to play WoW the way it was. Or I want to play WoW with this new stuff. That's important to be able to have clean breakpoints. So I think those are a lot of good points about it. I wasn't aware of Joe's efforts with monks. So I must have just completely missed the boat when when that one happened. We so I'd be curious about that. Where we, we can't center our lives around this game, however much we try. Make every uh, effort to do it, though. Yeah. Believe me. <laughs> wife, wife kind of gets a little upset that I put so much into it, but... I mean, I don't get sure. upset. I just sometimes like to sleep. Sleep is very important to me. You sleep you when you're dead, wife. Come on. <laughs> well, and, and to be honest, I think if if our guys, we had the player base, we had the competitive experience, a lot of the people within our own group, we actually talked about doing this before the retro guys started doing this about two years before okay. uh, we, cause I don't, I don't think William started this until 2015. I think it was 2015 was his first one. Uh, and I don't think his intentions was to do this. I think it kind of developed into this because people were asking him to do it at the tournaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was just trying to host general wild TCG tournaments, but I know when we looked at doing it, we wanted to structure ours in a way that it would, we would want it to last. And what what's funny is we wanted something that would last, but we couldn't last. You know, we had kids, we got older, we got different jobs, people moved away. Like, it's hard to keep something like this intact and fresh and new right. without sacrificing a ton of time. Right. And so it was something that we wanted to do, but we never had the, the time or the resources to make it happen at the level we wanted it to happen at. Uh, so growing up, we're like just the worst, right? <laughs> so hard. Um. So yeah, I think all those are definitely valid opinions on it, and it is hard on in all aspects. It's hard for those who are making it. It's hard for people to find the new thing. Nobody likes change. It's a constant state of humanity. Is to not like. Yeah, that's not a wow thing. So, that's like a general. Um, and like I said, if, if people are enjoying it and it's bringing in new players, that's great. Exactly. It's doing what it's designed to do. Yeah. So while we, so like I said before, I don't want to keep you here all night. So to wrap it up, are there any shout outs, any plugs that you want to make, any shameless plugs you want to make, anything like that? <laughs> or where can people find you if they wanted to reach out to you and find out when these awesome events are happening? Well, I've. I always post everything through the subreddit because that's where the most activity is. It's where the most views are. I think there's over 500 people there. So I post everything in the Reddit page. Uh, and my username is Renoir2005. Uh, I make quite a few comments there when that, whenever I feel like it's necessary. There's a lot of rules, questions from new players, card interactions, and I like to interact with those kind of things. Uh, so that's how you can find my username. I use the same username on Discord. I am a part of the Discord Table Talk community. I don't play as much as I'd like. Uh, I'd like to give out a shout-out to Radifer, Brad Radifer. I think he's doing a great job with the, the Table Talk community by running consistent raids. Yep. Uh, shout-out to Mud. I don't know his – I think his name's Claude. Uh, Mud does a really good job of uh, engaging new players and teaching people how to play. The dude does not mind to lose, even though he's probably one of the best, better players out there. Uh, I think he finished second at the Canadian Nationals one year, but the dude's got no shame in losing to new players in terms of teaching. Uh, shout out to Shane Duckworth for overcoming a brutal tournament. I mean, <laughs> I did not expect that dude to win. Uh, I thought he would might might make top four, but 
mean, he's an incredible card player to pick up something brand new over the last two years to play just from with, he just played with me and I think Luke Butler occasionally because they both work at Jasco and the fact that he was able to pull that off was phenomenal to me, beating the Night Elves and the guy that had played it for so long and beating Joe Ramirez, who has all these credentials from past tournament experiences. Uh, I, I, I give a big shout out to those guys, uh, but that's probably all I got right now. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on. Will we see you at Gen Con? No, Gen Con's too far for me. Oh. It's I really wish the the Wild TCG tournament would be held at a more suitable location. Gen Con is like even at Jasco, we had to stop running events at, at Gen Con because the cost kept increasing for players, and it was it was too high of a price for them to get in. Gen Con's uh, turning into San Diego Comic Con very quickly. It's yeah. too expensive. It's too expensive, and so your turnout actually gets nerfed. Because of the cost of getting into Gen Con. Yeah. I wish that Wild William, if you're hearing me, it's just a, a suggestion. It, it would probably be better to have your own tournament, advertise it for a year, that it's going to be at X location in X major city that's got a great airport that's cheap to fly into. I know places like Atlanta and Dallas and those kind of places are great for flights. Even Las Vegas is a great place to have a world championship. I think your player turnout will double or triple. Because they wouldn't have that huge cost that Gen Con forces yeah. on. We were personally looking at trying to maybe organize something for PAX Unplugged because it is on the rise. Although it would be expensive from, you know, it's in Philadelphia. It is not quite at that, oh my God, half of the country is showing up to this convention level sort of thing. <laughs> so it hopefully there will be more things just as we were discussing the new sets, hopefully bringing people in. People realizing the game is more undead than dead, and that'll revitalize things. And as you get more warm bodies, maybe we could start expanding the different things. Well, it, it's definitely growing. The game is growing. The people who have stayed are not leaving. Right. And the people that are coming in are not leaving either, because the players that have stayed that are teaching them is a great asset and resource for them. Exactly. So we're not having any people leaving. It's very rare for someone to sell their collection, and if they are, they weren't competitive or even players to begin with. They just collected loot cards and they've got all these excess cards. Exactly. So those, that's not a sign of people leaving this game. It's growing. Exactly. Yeah, at this point, if you've been here this long, what's another couple of years? <laughs> so, so with that, again, thank you, Nathan. We appreciate it. Hopefully we can get you back on, and we'd love to hear updates. We're definitely looking forward to more events and more tournament reports and more information coming out of Lubbock, Texas. And uh, everybody out there listening, definitely tune in next time. We're going to have some more random thoughts for you. So for all other things random thoughts, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. At our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com, you can now find us on Facebook under the tag of Random Thoughts. Or find us on Twitter at randthoughtpod. That's at R-A-N-D thought pod. And please feel free to reach out to us on Gmail at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon.